This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the NBA Morning Deuce. For Monday, April 19th, got a uh, big weekend to recap in the association. And before we even get started, I'm just going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here, because as you guys know, these last few weeks, Alex has taken a little bit of a step back doing three days a week. I've been getting some guest co-hosts and about two weeks ago, I hit up my co my guest co-host for today, looking at the schedules, like, you know what, this might be a good day to have this guy on. And it turns out I couldn't have booked a better guest for this day. And booking is not easy. Booking is not easy on a a five-day-a-week show. But I couldn't have projected out better because not only is this guy a – he's I guess guess we could just call it what it is – a Heat Twitter legend, one of the leaders of Heat Twitter. But he's also the host of the Miami Heat Beat and I guess co-founder, owner, proprietor – you know, boss man of Miami Heat beat one of them. Giancarlo Navas is on the show with me today. And what a day to have a, another Heat guy on the show. Gee, what's up, man? Thanks what for coming a day. on the show. No, dude, anytime. Uh, I don't, Heat Twitter legend is a lot. I mean, I'm a Heat Twitter lackey, maybe. <laughs> um, I may be the face of Heat beat, but in reality, I'm just like a shadow boss. I don't do anything. I, I, I'm propped up by my talent. Um, I'm not even to compare myself to Draymond Green, but you know, like some guys are just better when like Kendrick Nunn is kind of elevated by the talent around him. That's, that's kind of me. I'm kind of Kendrick Nunning this, you know, okay. I'm, I'm being carried. I'm being carried hard. All right. Well, Hey, you, you have to be modest. I understand that, you know, you got to, yeah, you got to prop up the staff. I get it. I totally get it. It's what I do. Hey, everyone, I prop. You know, I, Alex, I got to prop up Alex sometimes, my co-host. So I get it. I understand how it goes. Gotta get your usage up. You right. Know, so, but of course, couldn't have been a better day to have Gian because bam out of bio. I mean, that's all you got to say. There's so many things going on in the NBA this weekend, but the biggest story ends up being the Miami Heat beating the Brooklyn Nets 109-107 on bam out of bio's first career game winner. Just one game after jimmy butler told him be more aggressive and stop taking mid-range jumpers he hits a mid-range jumper to beat the nets and end this three-game skid that culminated with probably the worst loss of the season for the heat just what a what a what a what a turnaround one game makes in the confidence of heat fans and and people who follow the heat all over the place right i mean it's like uh 
it's like a moment in the season that you can look at. And there have been a few, right? The Lakers, the win against the Lakers, the win against the Jazz, uh, the loss against the Clippers without any of their players, like the loss against the Timberwolves, right? Like there's there are certain like pinpoint moments in the season where you're like, okay, these are, they're like keyframes, right? You're like, these are going to determine what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks of this of this season. These There are going to be ripple effects to, to these events. And that Minnesota game was one of them because they lost. Jimmy was playing on a bad ankle. He did not play today. He hurt the ankle in Denver and he played in a blowout again. Like he played like on his bad wheel or no, he he got hurt. Not, not in Denver uh, in the game prior against Phoenix. And then he played on the bad wheel in Denver in the second night of a back-to-back. And both of those ended up being a blowout plays in Minnesota has a great game calls out his team in a way that almost felt uh, it almost felt like it was like, a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like the place where he completely eviscerated his teammates very publicly shirtless, wearing a Rolex with his back, with his third unit, beating the starters in that infamous practice where he walks out of the building and said, you effing need me, right? And that was kind of his breaking point of like, okay, like these dudes can't do anything when I'm on the floor. The plus minus numbers speak for themselves. When Jimmy's on the court, they're like plus seven net rating. And when he's off the court, they're like minus six. It's like ridiculous. And that's like a flashbulb moment because we go to this Nets game, they're bad defensively. They're small. Uh, KD got hurt in the first quarter. And the Heat have lost a lot of games where stars don't play. But Bam took it upon himself, forced the issue, was isolating, made quick post decisions, which I think that that's something that has been frustrating. Against Phoenix, there was a play where they specifically ran an action to get him hmm. isolated against Dario Saric in the mid post. Facing up, they cleared out the side. Right, they had shooters on wherever he can see. They they cleared out where he wouldn't get doubled, where the help was going to come, and he could see it. And he dribbled out of it for for a dribble handoff for Tyler to kind of come off. And that to me is like that can't happen. And today that wasn't the case. Took it upon himself, posted up, faced up, isolated, kind of gave their offense a little bit of extra umph, which it hasn't had. It's been an awful offense all year. So, I mean, today, I mean, just aside from the buzzer beater and the storylines, just the fact that he, and, and then even if you look at the stat line, like, you know, whatever, 21 points, ah, you're like, well, that's, he's averaging 20. What's the difference? Hmm. It was the ways he got it. And it wasn't just dribble handoff fishing and rim rolls. Yeah. And I think also what was impressive, and I, I want to, who was the, who was calling the, oh, it was, uh, it was RJ. Uh, he actually mentioned it on the show, on, on the broadcast too. What, what was impressive was, you it takes a while as a when you're going to be a primary scorer or you're going to be put in the positions like bam was at the end of that game to have the confidence to let the clock wind down and know when to go and he could have rushed it he could have rushed it and gave them time to have another possession but what was impressive in that play other than obviously making the shot was his timing of knowing I need to run this down to whatever it was, five, four seconds, and then go. Not go at nine, go at eight, leave them two seconds for whoever it is. Landry Shamit, who just you know had the best game of his career to get a shot. I thought that was impressive. I also think it's impressive being on Twitter after a game like that because it's a national TV game and seeing how the national media seems to have forgotten that Bam Adebayo is who he is. They're just like, this guy's so under this guy doesn't we we, this guy they're all talking about him as if he wasn't 
incredible in the playoffs last year, as if he's not a rising star, as if they haven't seen him before because this happened. It's just so it's like remarkable to me. He had a better game against these nets a couple months ago where he had 40, where poor Jeff Green was on an island against him. Yeah, it's it's just crazy to me. Um, so yes, you you pointed out, you know, no KD. Obviously, Harden, Harden was there. Not surprisingly, Harden made, was there. Made the trip. Did make the trip. COVID be damned. James Harden's coming down to Miami. It was nice outside today. You, 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 you're here. Yeah, I am. I am. It was, yeah. nice it was hot. But. <laughs> it was hot. Um, but it's still, it's obviously a huge, there's no, I always say, I don't think there are must wins like really in the regular season, but I, but it was after that game and Jimmy calling the team out the way he did, it seemed like sort of a must win situation. Um, now going forward, the schedule is not hard. It's not super hard. It's not. Um, this could lead to a, it, and it was it was must win in a sense that the teams ahead of them, which we will talk about the majority of them, um, they are only about a game behind um, most of the teams that are right ahead of them in the standings, and they really need that game to stay out of the play in. Not that. You know, not that they're not going to win in a playing situation, but you want to get in that top six to get to be locked in. They're a game and a half behind the Knicks now and two games behind the Celtics and the Hawks. So huge, huge to get that win and potentially start a little run here as we move forward. And they get they get the Hawks once they get the Celtics twice. That's huge. They get the Hornets, the Hawks, the Celtics. Those are the teams that I mean, the, the Hornets are right on their tail. I think they get the Bulls twice, but I don't I don't really think the Bulls are a legitimate threat to get near them. Um, so, and then the rest of our Western conference teams are like teams like the Sixers and the Bucks who are just like way ahead of them. So they have a legitimate chance to get back to four seed. And I think if I'm Miami, I like the Sixer matchup more than I like any other matchup. And I know that they, we just saw what they did to the nets. Um, I I've seen what Spo does to bigs. I, I like how they are going to defend Embiid. I think Embiid still has a negative assist to turnover ratio. I, I like what they do with the help and recover. And I do think if they're going to be healthy and Oladipo is going to be there, and I think that they're going to have enough to make that offense muck. And that defense is not the same as it always has been, right? It, it's a little different and they have a lot more guys that you can hunt. And and that like, we've seen Jimmy in the playoffs, you know, when he gets a kind of puts a small guy in the pick and roll and puts him in the torture chamber, right? They, they play a lot more smaller guys on the perimeter in the wing. So I think them getting to four or five is like really, really big for them. I think if they can avoid the Nets and the Bucks, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, you I think that. Totally disagree. What's that? You look like you totally disagree. No, I don't. I, I, the Bucks. I just am still not totally sold on. Holiday's good, man. It, he he's very good. He he's is very just... good. I just don't. I think in a seven game series, if the Heat are fully healthy, and obviously that depends on what happens with Vic. And even if he does come back, what's Vic going to look like? Um, I would bank on the coaching in that series. And I, I just, Bud just do, still doesn't really make adjustments. Like, but what, what really was it that won this Heat that series? It was the Bucks couldn't defend them because they're sinking their bigs into the paint. And off handoffs, they have to trust that. And I mean, most of Miami's offense is just handoff nonsense. They have to trust that either Wes Matthews or, or Middleton or whoever their perimeter defenders were last season are going to be able to adequately get across that screen and fight and contest and stop that action. What what blows that up for the Heat is switching. And they've switched. I think they're like switching 15 or 20% more. I forgot the mm-hmm. numbers uh, that 
people have, have kind of pointed out. And, and if the Bucks are going to do that reliably and consistently, the Heat can't score. The Heat were the seventh ranked offense last year. They're like the 22nd or 23rd this year. They suck. It's even lower, so, I think, right now. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Their defense is fine. Their defense is good. <clears throat> and I think that they'll be able to adequately defend the Bucks, but I just don't think they're going to be able to score against them. And they don't have any pressure on the rim. So even if the Bucks do kind of do their deep drop, I don't really, the Heat aren't built like last year where they just have like mm-hmm. these shooters that are like killing you when you sag off of them. So I don't like that matchup for them this year. I understand last year why it was, it looked good, but uh, I I would, I would rather them play a team that has a little less, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now I think where my, my probably what you were seeing in my face was the Sixers thing. Yeah. I, I look, I, I understand where people look at what they, what they see with the Sixers, but also the way I I'm watching the last probably t- probably five or so games I've watched of Joel Embiid. That's a, that team's can win a championship the way Joel Embiid is playing. Oh, they're like, legit. There, there, there's a different it, it, under normal circumstances. I'd say I, I don't mind playing the Sixers if I'm any team, but I don't know that there's a team in the league, the way he's playing that can guard that can legitimately guard him. Now you still have, there's still the rest of their team has to do things when you double and triple team him. But he's 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 on a different level right now that I don't think we've ever seen in his career, to be honest, that if he continues this and he stays healthy, obviously that's a huge caveat with him, and he can play those minutes consistently in the playoffs. I just wouldn't I, I wouldn't even want to risk it. Um, but I, yeah, I guess either way, look, obviously playing being <laughs> the, the four or the five and avoiding either of those teams is um is the way to go. And we'll obviously we're gonna actually end up talking about all three of the teams that they would probably potentially play if they make it to four or five here on the show today. A couple things though, from this game that I wanted to get your thoughts on, or even just the last few games we see, obviously like we know it's just when you fans for, it it doesn't matter what uh, it doesn't matter what fan base it is. Every fan base has their, they, they, they react certain ways to players over stretches and you, you see it. Like we'll talk about the Celtics. I think it was just a week ago where they basically wanted to get rid of Jason Tatum, their fans, which is crazy. <laughs> They're the um, worst. Yeah, but people are down on Tyler Hero, and he hasn't been playing really good. He hasn't played well over this last stretch, but then after the break, he had a stretcher. He was playing great. Early in the year, he wasn't playing great. He's up and down. I think it's just such an overreaction to, to be so down on a kid who we've seen perform at the highest level and which is really one of the things that you, you, no matter what people think about last year's playoffs, what he did in the playoffs and in the finals and at the highest level at that age, I think there needs to be a little bit more leeway for the kid at this age to, to believe that he's going to co- get past these issues. And, and talking to Stan Remy a cut last week about him um, on another podcast, who is the trainer down here, who trains a lot of heat players. He, he was fully, he didn't want to say it on the show. <laughs> he wouldn't say it, even though I said, just say it. He said he, he, he wanted to say he's a different kind of white boy, but he wouldn't say it, but I understood what he was trying to say. I'm fully confident that this kid is going to be a really, he's going to be more of the player that we saw at the end of last year. But what does that mean? Like, cause I think the expectation here was, well, you know, all-star. Mm-hmm. Right. And I always said Lou Williams. Right. Like my thing from when I saw him playing some really league, I was like, okay, like if he could be some sort of version of Lou Williams, that's good for them. 
I don't think he'll ever get to the free throw line enough. He doesn't get separation off the dribble. He just doesn't. That's just that's just fact. He just doesn't get separation. I think he's a good finisher. I think he has a lot in his bag. The pull-up mid-range this year has been really good. I mean, when he gets to his spots in the mid-range, he's a he's a, what is 70, 80th percentile. Has a lot in his bag, has that little step back from the mid-range. He can get to his spots in the paint. And he's a really crafty kind of guy who can really work angles and stuff, but he's not beating dudes off the dribble. He's not breaking stuff down. And I think with this offense, you know, he's really good at the pistol and, and I like him when they kind of like run him off screens from the, from the baseline and all that stuff. But he, he doesn't have enough. I don't think offensively to really be the player that I think fans expect him to be right. And, and, and when he's the guy that you dangle in trade talks, for James Harden, for a guy like Kyle Lowry, which I think I was, I was pro that I understood why the organization didn't, but I mean, for me, I, I just think, you know, you're on a Jimmy timeline and I just, I don't know. I'm not married to a guy that, you know, may be like a really solid six man. I, I, I think he's good. He's an undersized guard in his second year. And I think people are way too hard on him. I think he doesn't have, I think his defensive rotations are pretty good. I think they're a lot better than they were last year. He's just small and he's going to get picked on like when a guy like a big guy like LeBron or Kawhi or one of those like you know, power wings are going to hunt him and pick and roll. There's nothing he can do. He's going to have to hard show and recover. And that's like their only chance to survive. Um, he's he's fine. He's a good basketball player. I think that people exaggerate. He struggled. He has not shown that he can solve drop coverages. Uh, we can go back to last season. That's been an issue for him, especially from three. Even last season when he was shooting really well from three. Uh pull-ups with drop and three nothing and you saw that in that laker series couldn't do anything they were just like okay we are dropping we are going under and it doesn't matter and if duncan kills us whatever but we're, we're going to kind of prevent that so there are legitimate concerns in his game that i don't think are going to change um like the kim getting to the line more him kind of getting separation i do think that he has to kind of find his shot and i think devin booker went through something similar where devin booker is second or third year the three-point shooting kind of went through the toilet and you kind of saw him work it back up because, you know, he, he, these are smart basketball players. They're going to figure things out and solve it. Um, but I, I feel like there's like very little nuance in conversations about Tyler Hero. It's like it's a lot of extremes. And I, you know, it's super cliche, but it's honestly something in the middle. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't disagree with the things that he that with the issues that you see in his offensive game um, at, at the moment. But I do think like at 20 in his second year, not even through his second year at 21 years old. There's so much time, like the time. How does that stuff get fixed? Is like, how often do we see stuff like lack of separation and things like that's like fatal flaws that cap you as a player? Well, I, I mean, I don't know that it's, it's impossible to fix it. And maybe it's rare to see all the time, but I, I, I think we've, it's, we've seen it happen. We just don't see it happen yeah. consistently. I'm saying with him too. I, I mean, I think we've seen flashes. We just haven't seen any of it. Cons- we haven't seen it consistently, particularly this year. Um, I mean, more, I just think more like it's a weird situation for the heat too, that they've been in. I've talked about this too, where it's like the timeline got pushed forward so much by having Jimmy Butler, right? Because having guy, a guy like Bam, who is his trajectory is top 10 player in the NBA. If everything goes right. Um, and having a guy like Tyler who showed flashes of being a potential all-star down the line, I think everyone wants everything to be pushed forward so quickly because you also have Jimmy Butler, who's what's he now? 30, 31, 30. Um, so I think it, it there's this, this give and take where I think you kind of hit it perfectly where 
we don't really know wh- which part, which one we're going to get, but like, I think a little more patience is probably required because it's an unfortunate situation maybe for him because it's like, there's the pressure to be this guy that he might be in four years now what, because the timeline has been pushed forward so quickly. He needs to be a better pass from pick and roll. And I think that that's the next evolution in his game. I think he sees those windows a second late to kind of give the ball up and he's small. Like that's going to be a disadvantage for him for a while. And I, I think he'll get there because I, I do think he has a chops. I mean, he has a really nice handle. He he's, he's not, he's a decisive guy when he knows when he sees the floor, the way that he needs to see it. I do mm-hmm. think that there are situations where he sees a gap a second late and, and it's done and that stuff in the NBA closes in a second. So I think that's the next progression for him. Um, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be good. And I think that he could be, I mean, look, Dragic is a Dragic is an awesome player has made one all-star team. And that one all-star team is because everybody got hurt that year. And he was like the third replacement, right? So Mm -hmm. it's hard to make an all-star team in this league. And there's no knock on, I mean, Mike Conley just made his first one. Mike freaking Conley. Who's awesome. Played in the West his whole career. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, um, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. And, And, you know, I think he's good. Um, he'll always have trade value for them, especially on his rookie deal, because there is a guy that can shoot off the dribble. That's one of like the most tantalizing skills in the league. You look at that and you're like, yeah. damn, you know, oh, if you could put a couple of things together, you know, you know, we're cooking with oil. Uh, so he, I mean, he's good. I mean, I, I think that the fans Korean and, and kind of the opinions on, on uh, yeah, are curated in a weird way about him, but yeah. he, he is, he is good. And listen, the coaching staff trusts him. He plays like every fourth quarter minute of like every, yeah. he might lead the team in fourth quarter minutes, which is like insane. I know after the break, there was like a 10 game. I want to say it was like a 10 game stretch or something where he played every minute of every fourth quarter. It was pretty remarkable. Um, last thing for the heat at, in terms of obviously this whole game is a positive today, but one huge positive is a double, double in 15 minutes for Dwayne Dedman. Let's go. You know, like, I mean, obviously this is not the biggest team or the most, you know, their front court is not, but Hey, you, you, it's been a desperate thing that the Heat have needed for a while now with the way Precious has played and trading Kelly O. They desperately need a big to just give him any minutes off the bench. And and Deadman, aside from playing well, rebounding the ball, um, you know, getting to the free throw line eight times, with that beard and the bald head, there were moments where I thought I was watching Joel Anthony out there. He looks like a mechanic. Tell me he doesn't look like a mechanic that will fix the hell out of your Ford. <laughs> He's put on a lot of weight too, man. I remember seeing him like be- good be- weight. Yeah. But before the injuries that he had, which have kept him out, which is the reason again, Miami just randomly finding guys who weren't even playing basketball to come in and be, be contributors, Trevor Reza, Dwayne Deadman, et cetera. But he was much skinnier and he looks, he looks big. He looks pretty muscular Physical. now. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, I think that's a, you know, is it, is it the thing that changes your season around? No, but it's a huge, it's a huge, you know, I would say relief for them to know you don't have to play bam 48 minutes every night to win because you can, even if he plays 15 minutes, it's a huge deal. They're at a talent disadvantage. Let's, let's be frank. Mm-hmm. When they play the big teams in the NBA, the, the big good teams, they're at a talent disadvantage where they have an advantage is they have as Eric Reed, the Miami heat broadcaster calls them ignitable guys. And they have the best coach in the league, arguably. Right. So 
you need to be operating on all cylinders. And those little moves on the margins for them matter way more than for a team like the Nets or the Sixers, right? Because the Heat are operating on a very, very fine line where their lineups are either good defensively or bad offensively, and they can't find a happy medium. So a guy like Deadman, I mean, I think today was a good example. There was a possession. There was a point in the game where the game was going sideways. Miami couldn't get anything, and they were just a lot of pull-up threes. Like, wait. And that's what they do, right? When they can't get anything north-south, what they do is just go east-west, and they kind of dribble handoff, come off a screen, take a three without any – nobody even looks at the paint. And Deadman got an offensive rebound and got some free throws, and then that was, like, their first points in, like, a minute and a half, two minutes, right? And then that really settles them. And he did that a lot. And, again, the Nets are a small team, and he's just – not going to tower over, you know, most normal NBA teams, but he, Precious was getting blocked at the rim at an alarming rate. That was just, it was concerning. Uh, Belizia, that I don't understand because I mean, their, their lineup data with Belizia plus Butler, like Butler plus stretch big plus wing equals profit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Belizia and Jimmy were like plus 13 per a hundred um, in whatever limited minutes. have. So that, that's a little strange for me. Uh, maybe Oladipo going down, they don't really have the flexibility at guard to kind of save him defensively because he just gets put in a one, five pick and roll with any of their guards who are awful at defense. And, and you know, you, Jimmy and Andre and, and Ariza have to do a lot, but Deadman kind of steadies them. I think he gives them a little bit of a change of pace too. They don't have to play the same. They can't, I mean, he loved their horn sets. They can play them in horns, which I think is really nice. And, and I think he's a, he's the guy that, and they did it today. They had Ariza and Deadman in horns. And I think the Nets were a little confused as to who was going to roll and who was going to pop. And that they kind of need that. They need that split second of the other teams indecisive that that a guy like Butler or a guy like Dragic, Dragic especially, who you know is not the quickest anymore and is not really kind of getting north-south. Uh, they need that, right? And they need these kind of variations in their offense. And they need like these different kind of shot diets and play diets and stuff. So I, I think he helps them. Um, maybe the contribution may look small, but I think it's probably more than it actually is. And listen, he's solid. He's a professional. Um, he's ready to go. He hasn't played basketball in a year and there's 15 games left and let's go. By the way, he can stretch the floor. We haven't even seen that from him yet either. Like he can, yeah, shoot and that's, the, he can shoot the ball. If you put him in the, if you need to put him in the corner and make a corner three, he can do it. So we haven't even seen that from him yet too. So that'll be, that'll be important. Um, all right. Well, let's say the heat, it worked out to have you on today too, because it, I would say one, two, three, four, five, like six teams played today that the Heat could potentially play in the playoffs or in the playing games. So let's talk about some of these teams. And I think outside of Bam um, hitting that game winner, the story of the NBA of the NBA Sunday might have been the Knicks uh, Pelicans game that went to overtime. The Knicks end up winning 122, 112, led. I mean, yeah, as always, by Julius Randle, who now it could potentially be in conversations for all NBA teams. I know people have been discussing that, that. but it, dude, it's, it's look, just look at what he's done to, and it's not even just, it's not, I think it's the context of what the over, how this team has overachieved in the season that he's having. It just, just a, a, a franchise that, or a team that was, supposed to be a lottery team this year that's been irrelevant for so long and they're way overachieving and he's having an incredible statistical season uh, but they're just playing great basketball right now i mean it's i mean that that was qualify for like a wing for him yeah right like i guess i guess forward. he would be a well he's a technically a four so yeah, he'd right. be I, how does the how i forgot how the all nba voting does it still go 
two guards, two forwards, one center. So, I mean, he could be a third team, maybe. I, I don't really know for the forward position. I'm not positive. LeBron, Kawhi. Well, I think ball. part of it is Tatum. I think right. part of what will happen is where do you, you know, like, let's say LeBron doesn't play. I mean, LeBron is going to make those teams, but let's say like a KD, like with injuries, is KD going to be a forward on an all-NBA team? No, I mean, Durant, Kawhi. I'm sorry, uh, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron. I think that that makes sense. Yep. Um, um, you know, PG in another forward spot. I mean, he's been absolutely unreal. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, like uh, there's certain guys who like, like, for example, like, would you put like, would a Tatum or a Jalen Brown going go over him? I think him? Tatum probably might. I mean, maybe I, I, th- that's where it gets tricky. I mean, and then, yeah. you know, Jimmy is obviously a guy that I know Jimmy has enough games under his belt that I, I don't think you could make that argument for maybe you could, I don't know, but I mean, it, it, it'll, I, he's definitely on the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be on the front because yeah, once you get past the guys that you named, it's going to, I think the conversation is going to be Zion uh, is another guy that is like probably yeah, going to get it. I, we, but that's just, see, but that's, that's just like media bias to me because everyone just loves Zion. Oh, because, Zion's been crazy though. Uh, yeah, but scoring and field goal percentage, but the team is bad, like really bad, like one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, they're not going to be a playoff team. Um, it, I just, and, and it's not, as if Randall's numbers are worse than Zion's, he's just scoring a few points less. Um, and he's just, but he, and I don't know. I, I just think uh, the impact that he's had, he's shooting 41% from three. Like he's just having a pretty absurd year. Um, but I mean, regardless, it is pretty remarkable the turnaround that this team's had um, in one year with Thibodeau as their head coach. That is that, that series if the heat played the Knicks in the first round, that's I've said for a bit, that would be, that, that would, that's a, that's a, that's something that the NBA probably should want just in terms of the, the, the storylines, the storylines and first round, like that would be a fun series. Those games have sucked. So any heat Nick game this season, they've been awful. Cause like well, nobody the, can the, score. Right. The styles. I know. I know. But the Knicks like legitimately like won't be able to score enough against the heat and they turn the ball over too much. And I think that the heat, especially lately with their, I mean the heat, they debuted the trap stuff against the Knicks. They have young guards who are small and they're like, we're just going to trap your guards and we're going to make your life. hell, we're going to get out and run. And we're going to score enough points because your offense sucks. Right. And suppose going to listen, suppose I've seen this movie play out. Suppose to be in Tom Thibodeau enough times for me not to be worried about the Knicks. <laughs> I, listen, I, I, I know how this ends. I yeah, gotta well, be cocky. I gotta be cocky, Heat guy. I can't ever listen. I can't as a Miami guy. I can't ever give. I can never give credit to the Knicks. <laughs> I got. I gotta stay true to my people. Um, I don't. I like. I understand it. Um, but I, I would say I think what we didn't see earlier in the year when the Heat played the Knicks was, and not that this would make a difference. And I definitely think in a in a, a seven game series, the Heat are beating the Knicks. Um. <laughs> RJ Barrett's playing at a different level than what we'd seen prior in his career, especially over the last, I don't know. I think it's like 10 games or so the way he's shooting the ball has been different. He fouled out today. Um, But yeah, I mean, this team, they're just not, yeah, they, they they rely so heavily on Julius Randall isolations. I've said it a few times that eventually they won't be able to score against good, like good defensive teams, but it's just, 
it's been it's been sort of a a, a crazy run. Now, the the most interesting thing that happened from this game was probably afterwards, which is just just a remarkable post game press conference. Which is Zion gets asked after the game after losing in overtime what it was like to play in the garden and he was just essentially was just gushing like a like a little kid about how much he loves playing in the garden and almost had to like reel back his comments because he was like it's my favorite place to play obviously obviously other than new orleans obviously other than new orleans and that just blew up like wildfire zion now the the speculation begins Zion teaming back up with RJ Barrett in the garden. Ooh. <laughs> I Listen, mean, LeBron used to say, I mean, everybody, Kobe used to say, everybody says that. Who doesn't like playing in the garden? It's a cool place I'm, to play. But look, I'll tell you this. I know people, everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm still not convinced that Zion is like the guy who's leading you to a title. Like, I, I don't know. Like everyone what thinks. We, in year two, what is this? Year two or three or what? what, what are it's, we it's, it's year two. But I, I just think, I think. What, what they're doing with him right now in New Orleans, we've seen this story with, with Giannis early in his career where they tried to convert him over to being like this point forward, uh, run the point type of guy. It, it's just not his game. And I'm event- – well, he's I'm, certainly not the problem. He's not the – well, I mean, he's got to be part of the problem. They're one of the worst defensive teams I've ever watched. Um, and – I mean, it's like saying that. Well, I mean, Jimmy's a problem because they are one of the worst offensive teams in the league. Like that, I don't. Well, I mean, there's there are there are things about. Well, not necessarily always the problem, but it doesn't help that he passes up shots at the rim constantly and leads those, the league and passing out of layups. Yeah, yeah, um, those type of things. But that you know, so you could point at those things. I, I just think um, with Zion, I, I do think like for example, I think the end, the last possession of the game today of regulation was a perfect example of where they are, what their priorities have become with that team. They're so heavily focused on trying to make Zion the guy that they've in, in, in certain instances forgotten that they have one of the best young scoring wings on the planet in Brandon Ingram. Like Brandon Ingram was a decoy on the last play of the game. They ran a, they ran a back screen at the end of the, at the, at the top of the key to try to get to potentially try to get Ingram's guy switched and have Ingram go to the rim when you have the most athletic person on the planet in Zion who should be going to the rim. And then they got all jumbled up and the, it ends up being uh, Eric Bledsoe taking the last pat, the last shot with that amount of time, we should be in like inbound the ball to Brandon Ingram and let him go get a shot. Like that's what you have him there for. And I feel like it's already impacted Ingram in a little bit, a little bit to where, He's not quite the same. I know he's still averaging the numbers that he averaged last year, but there's just something about Zion's game that I'm not totally. I disagree with you on that. I think that they made a conscious decision at some point in this season when they realized Zion's the guy. Offensively, he can do more than he's a. He's just a. He just gets buckets better than Ingram. Like I understand that Ingram has a shot diet that you like, like kind of like the Carmelo Anthony esque kind of wing in, in terms of the versatility and how he gets a shot, but Zion is a hyper-efficient guy who could gets to the rim at will, right? And I think that that's what you want. Now, their offense is amazing. Like, we can't criticize what they do offensively. They have one of the best offenses in the league, and they play, you know, a bunch of guys that can't shoot at times, right? Like, in spite of their spacing, 
they're like, what are that at some point they're like a 122 offensive rating or something like that it was ridiculous, right? So their defense, as you said, is the issue, and that we can talk about Zion. But I think offensively the process has been very just and sound, and they made a decision at some point in this season because Bi was getting he was soaking those possessions, and they made a decision in year two of Zion. They're like, all right, we are we are committing to this kid to take us and let's let's take our lumps let's figure this out sometimes we're going to get possessions like today uh but he's special and i get what you're saying i just don't think i think offensively they figured something out and he's you know he's a young guy he'll 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 figure that out i don't they him and bi has to figure out how to exist around this i mean bledsoe took 20 damn shots today I mean, that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, they got to figure stuff out their offense yeah. is good though. I will say that. Like, I don't, I don't think we can criticize much of their offensive process. Yeah. I just, I don't, my, I think their offense has been working. I do think I just, I don't buy a guy with, I, I just don't know what, what he is yet. Like I, I know it's his second year, so maybe things change, but again, like in the same way that we talk about, like how, how much do these things change a guy who only who's at who's six, 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 five, whatever he is, and only scores in the paint. And it ha- literally has no shot. Like no, he has no in-between game. He doesn't have a pull-up game and he doesn't, sh- and he can't shoot from it. So at some point, if that stuff doesn't develop again, we've seen Giannis dominate the NBA being mostly a guy who scores in the paint. But when it comes down to the most important points in, in his career, he's a liability because of the things he can't do. Yeah, I love what Zion is able to do in regular season games against majority bad defensive teams, which is what the majority of the NBA is. But when it comes down to important situations, I don't know that I would end up trusting him unless he's able to to somehow develop a shot, which he has. He just doesn't have one at this point. He just does not have one. And and all that is to be said is I don't know that he, he, he could be that guy. I just, and not as trustworthy this early on in his career as everybody. I think I'm just sort of on the opposite end of where everyone believes that he are, that he will be that guy, no matter what. I'm not sure that I buy that yet. Well, I mean, he, he has, he's like 40% from three to 10 feet and 66% from 10 to 16 feet on a very, very low volume. Yeah. So I do think, I do think your concerns are legitimate. There's not a lot there, but I've always kind of looked at him. Like maybe he can kind of come along like Amari Stoudemire did offensively right? Like this super explosive um, rim hunting big who eventually kind of added, you know, the little jumper and everything. He's never a three-point shooter, but you know, he, he has that face-up game, that really nice jumper, a little pick and pop in the mid-range, you know, maybe Zion's not like as, as you suggest. Like, Cause Zion's shooting 70% from the line this season. So, I mean, and he improved from last season, his free throw rate has gone up and his percentage has gone up. So that tells me like, okay, well, you know, there is something there as a shooter that he can be passable, right? And, and look, let's look at Bam. I mean, Bam kind of took a leap from one year to the next and became like a reliable jump shooter. So it's not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, I do get your concerns. Um, it's why we were all concerned about Ben Simmons, right? Like we still don't know at the end of a playoff game, are you going to stand in the dunker spot or what are you going to do? Like, so the, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Um, and it's going to be one of the coolest things to follow in the next coming years because he is – He's something special that makes people want to watch. I don't think it's all media creation. He's there's something attractive to watch about him. Like no, there's no question about what he the things that he does on the floor. We've probably there's some of the some of the things he does already we've never seen. Just 
it, for his size, his body control going to the rim, the way he's able to maneuver getting to the rim without just bowling over people at that size and that coverages. Yeah. It it, it is remarkable. My, my issue is always going to come down to the shooting. And ultimately I just don't see in this NBA or maybe it changes. I mean, things evolve, you know, people, people change the NBA when they come along, they change the way things are. Maybe he could be that guy at the moment, like in a seven game series against a good defensive team. I think at this point, and maybe, obviously look second year when he plays against a great team, a la like any team that has played Giannis so far in, in the playoff series, we we're going to see, there's going to be some struggles. Giannis is different. Obviously their games are a little bit different, but it's the same principle to me. And Ben Simmons to a lesser degree, because Ben Simmons is just one of the least aggressive offensive players for that size and skill level that maybe we've ever seen. Um, so yeah, it is going to be remarkable to see. I, I like, I've, I've turned the corner. Alex, my co-host has always, he's always been high Zion. I've always been questioning. I have turned the corner because I've watched him so much this year. I still have huge concerns. We're all forced to watch him. Thank you. Right. Right. Um, I've turned the corner because he is entertaining to watch and the things that he does. I'm just like, Holy shit. He shouldn't be able to do these things, but I still have him huge. Like he also walks funny. He's like the greatest athlete I've ever seen that walks like, a poorly animated cartoon well don't you remember last year at the beginning of his rookie year there was like the rumors coming out of new orleans that they were going to try to change the way he walked because they were worried that his gait was going to lead to him having injuries i'm not even joking i have so i have a friend of mine who's a physical therapist and he's like he has like this weird neuroses and one of my friends was like he had he got chin splints and like he was like in a lot of pain and my friend asked have you changed the way you walk recently and we're like what kind of question is that but it's like a thing it's like a legitimate thing it's like you got to walk a certain way because that's like what we do most of the day yeah no and he i mean he got hurt almost immediately coming into the league he got i mean he obviously he had the freak thing at duke where he blew out his shoe and got hurt but he had the injury almost immediately that feels he, like an eternity ago i know it's crazy wow <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago Jesus. i know i know it's crazy well and then so there was the concern because he's his frame he he's like people at that height are not supposed to carry like healthily carry that amount of mass, whether it's muscle or fat, whatever it is, they're not supposed to be able to carry that kind of weight on that type of height, that frame. And then you see him walking differently, a little, that little, like, like bounce or whatever is going on with his gait. You're like, oh man, there's something, maybe there is something. I don't know. It, a very it is, happy walk. I and like it doesn't like totally move his arms all the way. It's like, uh, it, yeah, it is weird, but he's fascinating. We're going to continue. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he can be that guy. I don't know. I just, I've always, always been. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Skeptical. Um, The other team that assume lift see the, if the heat get up to that four or five spot that they could play as of right now, another one of the hottest teams in the East, the Hawks, 
They get another win today, 129-117 over the Pacers, who I guess you could hypothetically, if you don't get up to that, if you don't end up in this six or above, could hypothetically play the Pacers, who are – we don't have – I had a, a Pacers guy on last week and we discussed how I, the Pacers are just essentially, Hey, you just, they're just cur- like, they, they can't, they're, they're never going to be healthy. They haven't been healthy. I've in never like seen a fan like Pacer people are like so out on this team. They're like, it, it's pretty remarkable. And you know what? I think it's a lot of it is just, I think it's injury fatigue for this team. I mean, you're going all the way back to Paul George and then Vic and then you trade for a guy who has cancer and that's not their fault, but you, I mean, it just happens. And TJ Warren, you know, you have bubble TJ Warren, and then he doesn't play for an entire year now. And uh, Brogdon can't stay healthy. Sabonis, like they just, I honestly think that fan base, they have an injury fatigue thing now where every time it seems like things might get going, somebody gets hurt, which this year is not unique to the Pacers, by the way. It's happening to every fan base, but it's been happening for so long in India. I think they are just worn out of it. Happening here. Right. No, it's happening everywhere. It's ha- it, it really, I mean, it, it's happening. I'd say like 75% of the league has had some type of like nagging thing with a player that's important to their team this year. Uh, it has happened to the heat more than a lot of teams. Um, I just think that's where the Pacers are at, but the Hawks, dude, it's happened to the Hawks more, just about as much or more than any team in the league too, which is why it's just sort of remarkable what Nate McMillan has done with that team since he took over, because I mentioned this last week too. I didn't think Lloyd Pierce should get fired. It seemed unfair because they've never been healthy with him. And then Nate McMillan comes in. They're still not healthy and they're winning games. Um, So that would be their team that finally, I guess basically their majority healthy. John Collins came back in this game. Um, They still don't have DeAndre Hunter. They're a scary team to play because of the firepower that they have. Um, no, I, I, I didn't know if you were done or not. So oh, yeah, yeah. Their offense has been really, really good. They're, they're seventh in offense in the league, uh, which they started off rough. Their defense actually, their offense was actually really stinky to start the season. Their defense their was defense, carrying them. Yeah, for sure. Defense, which was so weird. Now the defense is at 20th. Their offense is at eight. Um, Gallinari getting healthy and getting good has been a big part of that. I think more so than, than Bogdanovich. I mean, Gallo was kind of the big acquisition for him. And he was, and now he's out again. <laughs> yeah. And he was thinking it up for them in the beginning. And, and he's just a guy that, I mean, if he's going to be healthy for them, it's just a huge, he's such a good player. I'm a big, I'm like the biggest Gallo fan. I wanted the heat to get him so bad. I just, I love wings that can do kind of beat you off the dribble, can shoot mm-hmm. the ball, get to the free throw line. It's just, he's like a plug. Like him, guys like him and Harrison Barnes um, are, are just such a value in this league. They're good. I like, they have, they have issues defensively that I don't know if they can solve. And I think a lot of that's going to fall. Like if whatever they do in the playoffs and going forward, is going to be like, how much can John Collins help them? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in the playoffs, I don't like if the heat get them, if that's a four or five, I like that for Miami because they have I like any of these teams for honestly, I like any of these. If Miami's healthy, I like any of these teams for Miami, including Boston. I, well, Boston, I might be lowest of all these teams on Boston. We'll talk about them in a second, oh, but wow, that's, that's a take, um, which is, I just, I don't trust them this year. This is just depth wise, but we'll talk about them. Um, I will point out to you that I don't know, which I think people have slept on all year. And it, it, I think it's just because it's the Hawks and people don't follow the Hawks all that much is that there's a direct correlation of their defense tanking and Deandre Hunter, not playing basketball for them. It, it since Deandre Hunter has been hurt and been out, 
their defense has gone down. It's gone downhill. DeAndre Hunter was their best perimeter defender. He's their best wing defender. And I mean, he's, I think he has one of the highest upsides on the team. I realize most oh, people sure. are, most people are high on Trey Young. You know, six foot point guards who take 30 foot three pointers are not guys you generally win championships with, but hey, I get it. Um, John Collins is another guy that people are super high on, and I he he's spring loaded and is free. I'm athlete. not high on him. I, I'm I'm kind of like I don't want to pay that guy out on him. Like it's he's it's it, it's like he go it's stre- it's by stretches for me. Like there's there's stretches where I'm like God, how could you not? How could this guy not be part? Like he's so skilled and he's such a freak. Like he's the he's like the That's perfect a red flag though. If there's stretches, I've yeah. seen that. We've seen those movies before. But DeAndre Hunter to me, the guy is the guy that this franchise is just it's if and I'm really nervous about him too because he had the first injury he had earlier in the year was like chronic something, which is never good with his knee. Then he comes back for like three games and now he's out with a non-surgical procedure. What I don't even know what that means on his knee. Um I don't think they're ever gonna be what they can be without him because he's just like the perfect you know, wing type player. And he's, and he was on a track to develop in such a big way this year. Um, I also think the Lou Williams trade was great for them because with when, before they had Lou Williams, they didn't really have a guy who could replace Trey young, even for 10 minutes in their lineup without their offense, just completely tanking. Cause everything is built around the pick and roll game with Trey young. Lou will at least brings that type of skill set off the bench for them. Um, I, think I don't know if that means... Rondo helps too. I, I just I know that it's worked out for the Clippers. Yeah. Um it just did it, he did not make sense there for me. I, I never liked that. I didn't that I didn't totally get it. It's weird though, because Ron, like I do worry about a roster that can't handle Rondo. Like I like think I feel like Rondo, as much as we whether you love him or you hate him, the guy has won and he's tough. And I feel like when you're a young team and you have a tough guy come in, if you can't, I mean, we've seen it on a, on a different type of way with Jimmy and other teams, right? Jimmy goes to Minnesota. They can't handle Jimmy Butler. Even in Philly, they couldn't totally handle Jimmy Butler. He comes to Miami. You have a tough minded team. They can handle it or vets. It, it does worry me a little that they just, he couldn't figure out a way to fit in with those guys in Atlanta. And maybe it was just maybe more of a basketball fit than a personality fit. I think, I think that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, as a guy who needs the ball and I know that the three point shooting has looked okay, you know, for the last couple of years, but it, it feels a little uh, justice Winslow esque where the percentage looks good, but in reality, your, your three point shot is not affecting the game. You're not actually spacing. You're just there and you maybe hit one, you hit one a game and teams are like, you can take your little one a game. Cause we know you're not going to take most yeah. of them. And if you do whatever, you're going to make one and woohoo, whoop de doo So I do think that that's like a part I'm, I'm just generally out. I mean, you got to be out of this world talented. If you're not like a spacer at the guard spot for me, like if you can't shoot, you better be like, something incredible because i'm i'm just out on that in general like today yeah um and then obviously for them like capella's just it's been awesome. like a, a just wow. an, an absurd season i mean you got if you're the rockets you just got to be like what are you like what's they, going on they here botch that they botched so, everything they've wow. botched everything I mean, historically I mean, it's when you when you look back for the, this guy this dude Raphael stone who's their now their gm 
we're going to look back at this last, like what six month stretch of, of decisions or year stretch, including back to Maury moving on from Clint Capella. And we're going to be like, man, this was really, they just crushed an organization. Like Bobby Marks esque. It, it's, it's bad, man. And Capella, the fact that you could have looked at Clint Capella with that team and been like, we're better off with PJ Tucker as our center. Like we're, yeah, and not that they were I, bad. I understood. The I understood at the time. I guess, but I got it. Not, I mean, they needed. They were in a place where whatever they had wasn't good enough, and they needed a shakeup, and they needed to fundamentally change something because they just could not keep rolling out what they had. I understood mm-hmm. by getting Covington by kind of let's downsize and let's try this because we need something. And they look good to their credit when they did that. And when they got Westbrook in space, they looked good and they got derailed by injuries in the playoffs, especially. I mean, people, Zach Lowe picked them against the Lakers. And that wasn't like a crazy thing at the time. I mean, but Westbrook's injury torpedoed that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know that retroactively we can look and we could do the point and laugh. Right. But, that looked good when they were healthy and they got torpedoed by COVID and the bubble and Westbrook's knee and all that. So I, yeah. I can't, that, that move in particular, I don't blame them. Everything else. Yeah. We could slander them. <laughs> that yeah. one I got. Well, Harden's going to be, it's going to go. Yeah. That whole situation is not going to shine lightly on stone. Um, right, the last couple of games from tonight, at least before we talk about that Celtics Warriors game from last night, real quick. Um, the last couple of games from tonight, two teams, one that, you know, they're fighting to survive to stay into the in the in the top eight heading into the plan is the Hornets. They beat uh, the Blazers, who are absolutely struggling now. Um, one, one hundred nine, one hundred one. Um, it's they are a team also that I don't I wouldn't trust them because of their injury issues to beat anybody in a seven game series. But they are so fun. I mean, no matter what no matter what you think they are a fun team to watch because they have a lot of young fun t- guys and in clutch, I think they got to be one of the best clutch teams in the NBA. Terry Rozier is having just like a revelation of a season. Monster season. It's unbelievable watching that kid play. Plus you get the added bonus that if you watch them on league pass during the regular season, you get to hear Eric Collins Yes. who, if I was thinking today, like if I still did like any blogging or writing, I would do like a power rankings of NBA play-by-play and he's got to be number one this year and i love eric reed i'm not i'm not i'm not shitting on eric reed listen we love him eric collins right now it's i tweeted at in i turned that game on i tweeted in the first quarter that if i was a fan of that team in the first quarter jalen mcdaniels made a layup and i swear to god the reaction from eric it was just a a one-off layup the reaction from Eric Collins, if I was a Hornets fan, I would have been running around my house like they just won. Like It's won amazing. That's it's unbelievable. Sports are cool. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And then 10 minutes later, he goes viral again with a Miles Bridges dunk where he's – I forgot kid, what he said. That where, kid is uh, – those Bridges kids are fucking awesome. I yeah. love them. Um, but they this team with an edge that yeah. – I've said before that I think the Heat should be playing with that edge. Like they play with – they they play heat basketball like it's funny to say that but like every possession they're hungry they have 
edge. Like that's the only way I could, they have edge with everything that they do. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch like everybody there, even, even Zeller who looks like he's, you know, looks like he's a, another guy who's a mechanic. Um, <laughs> Cody, the last holdover from when I worked for that team. Oh no, actually they brought Bismack Biombo back. Um, no, but yeah, killer. Yeah. Those guys, Cody's just, well, they, they, and ultimately with this team, they are fun to watch. They got a lot of young talent. They don't have their front court is uh, PJ Washington is a good player and Bridges is a good player, but they're big, big, like their centers are just horrendous. They get, and you play them, uh, any team that they play, they're just going to get exposed. That would have really court. helped them. <laughs> any of these guys. I mean, even Damian Jones would have helped them. They just don't, they're, they started Vernon Carey tonight. Vernon can, I Carey you, Jr. can I give you a name for them for next season? Go ahead. Hassan Whiteside. Well, listen. You probably, I don't know where you fall on this in terms of the Hassan Whiteside thing. I'm in the middle. I'm firmly in the middle. I am firmly on the, your team has no chance of succeeding if he's on your roster. Wow. They were good. Listen, they had a year where they were good with him. And when he went down, that killed their season. I'm firmly, your team is never going to hit its full potential with Hassan Whiteside. He has his roster, but like he'll help Charlotte. I don't know, man. I would not want to bring a guy like Hassan Whiteside onto this roster that seems like when you watch the game, it's partially that they have built James Borrego has built a good culture that we didn't have when I was there. It was, I mean, actually, I should say, whoa, whoa, Steve, Steve Clifford Clifford was great. My last two years with Steve Clifford was incredible. He's one of the best. But before that, Steve, I mean, Cliff had turned it around a little bit, but even then, there was some other stuff going on there. You couldn't fully turn it around. Um, they seem to have this thing. This the, All these guys seem to really get along. You throw a guy like Whiteside in there. I just worried what he would do to the. He'd, he'd be going home. I think he's been humbled. I think that it, I think it'd be a good move for him. I think it would help them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you could, from a basketball standpoint, you could be right. I just, I'm so out like them. I mean, he was always hanging out with Dwayne and that might be Dwayne trying to be the good teammate thing mm-hmm. right? and kind of taking him out and he, you do the same. So I, I, I don't know. Right. I, I, when I was in that locker room, the, he seemed to be friends with, with guys. So I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a bad locker room guy. I mean, he may get on guys nerves, but <laughs> he's a nice guy. Um, but with this team, this is another one where I, I think they're, they are another team that's probably ahead of the, ahead of their time schedule uh, yeah. Losing Lamelo hurts them, but you know he might come uh, back, right? Right. He's they're, they're like questioning. It, it, I mean, if they make the playoffs, I think he'll be back. What about Hayward? Because that's the Hayward. That, Hayward just can't. He's out. I think he's. I think it's been a week since they announced he was out for four weeks. So Ugh. if he's back, it'll be for the playoffs. Also, he's another guy who's been sort of a revelation for them. I mean, he's been so good, and they got crushed for that contract when it happened. So he's been great for them, but um, they are the one team because of their injury situation and their youth that I've, you know, see falling even more like they could potentially, I mean, they're lucky that the teams that are trying to catch them are the Pacers and the Raptors and the, and the bulls right now who are all struggling, but this is a team that I, you probably want to catch this team at this point going into the playoffs. Um, I think they're going to make it. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna stay. I mean, I, I don't see Indiana catching them, and Toronto, 
Listen, Toronto's trying to fade for Cade. So I mean, listen now. And they can't in- do it. And they can't do it right. They lost. They they won tonight. Chris Boucher, one- baby. Chris Boucher. I never. Him. I was watching the end of that game, and I was like, Chris Boucher and Poku are a combined thirteen foot ten inches, and a combined three hundred ninety pounds. It's it's like. I've never seen two players on a court at the same time that I can remember whose chests are like caved in because they're so skinny. It's, it's crazy watching those two teams. But I, the, my thing with the Raptors is the Raptors, and I guess you could probably put the Bulls into that conversation too, and to an extent the Pacers, are the, are the perfect example. And maybe not the Pacers because they're pretty close to the Hornets. The Raptors and the Bulls, and now even the Wizards, are the perfect examples of – I don't know where you fall on the debate that's been going on about the play-in situation, but that they kind of messed up the way they did it this year because there is no way that the Raptors right now sitting at 10th in the East should have a chance to win two games to be in the playoffs and potentially knock out a team like the Heat or the They would Knicks play the Heat the- right now if they were doing it. No, no, that's not how it works. Wouldn't it be 10 versus seven? No, it goes seven plays eight, and the winner of that game is the seven seed. Nine plays 10, and then the winner of that plays the loser of seven, eight. And then the winner of that is the eight seed. That is, I've been out on the plan. I don't like it. I get why they did it. I, I don't, I think that when you try to be like baseball, you're, uh, you're, that's, that's bad. Don't try to be like baseball. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. You just said they're tanking, right? They're essentially tanking. Fade they're, for Cade. Listen, right. I'm on Twitter. I'm listen. I'm a Kyle Lowry lifer. No, no. And my point being, they're they're fading for Cade. They're tanking, whatever you want to call it. But they still can be. In, they're still about to be in the playoffs. Like they have the eighth worst record in the NBA, but they could still potentially knock out a team. They that keep deserves- making up injuries for my man Fred and Kyle, and well, they just got Pascal. fined. <laughs> they just yeah. got fined. There's- um, but that's what I'm saying. This whole there needs to be a limit like you have to be you should have to be within a certain amount of games that's what they did last season right that's the what bubble. they did for the bubble yeah um but there was also wasn't it in the bubble there was only one team right or was it i don't even remember how it worked right. the bubble the bubble another thing that seems like 10 years ago um but it just it's crazy to me that either the wizards the raptors or the bulls who are all at least 10 games under 500 well they're all 10 games under 500 right now have a chance to potentially knock off a team that's above 500 and has played good basketball all season. Just makes no sense to me. That's crazy. That seven plays eight, man. That's, that's yeah. So essentially they've set it up. So where seven and eight, you only have to win one game, no matter what, even if you lose your first game, you just have to win your second game. And then you're in is the way they've sort of said it. I, I hate this so much. I just, why did they, there's so many things that they could have done. And I don't know why they chose that one. Well, because, and I told, we talked about this last week a little bit. I do think, they're capitalizing on casual fans, right? Cause when you, when like the, the NBA fans who are, who don't love the NBA, but they watch it here and there, they hear I that there's it. like a, the one game elimination situation. They're like, Oh, I'll, I'll watch that. Baseball it, did that. Right. But is it like, to me, is it, is it worth it to sacrifice everything that a team like the heat or the Knicks or the Celtics or the Hornets have done all year to potentially get knocked out in one game? It just, I mean, if the heat are the seven seed, like whatever, like I'm, I'm not feeling sorry for them. Like, I mean, whatever you, you, if you're the seventh seed in the East, you fall on the damn sword for that. I mean, you, you deserve whatever comes your way in the West. I'd be pissed. Kidding. I don't know, man. I I would be, 
If I was what? 20, if I was above 500 and I had to play a team that's 10 games under 500. If I'm the heat, I don't feel sorry. If the heat of the seven scene, I like, I have zero sympathy for any of them. I was like, this is a whole, you guys lost the Clippers missing everybody. And you lost to, you almost lost to Landry Shamit, and you, you, you've lost to Luke Kennard and all sorts of dudes that bad players. Like, I, I'm sorry. I don't. The West actually isn't particularly bad right now for this situation. Um, no, both, the West, it makes sense. Yeah. Both the Warriors and the Spurs are only two games out of eight. So to me. And the Spurs are under 500. Yeah, I know. Um, they've had a up and down year too, but they, I think they'll finish. I mean, they're going to finish right around 500, but they're not 10 games under 500. That's for damn sure. Um, all right, let's finish up here. The last game that I wanted to talk about from the weekend was last was yesterday's uh, Celtics Warriors game, um, which there's obviously multiple things that hit on Celtics end up beating the Warriors um, 119, 114. They are now, where am I looking? They're now tied, record-wise tied with Atlanta. Atlanta is in the four seed. Celtics have won six in a row. And what a turn, again, another team, like what a a turnaround it's been from just a couple weeks ago where they look like a mess. Here, And I'll tell you why I don't totally buy the Celtics this year. Um, And then I'll let you tell me what your thoughts on them are is that Their lack of depth crushes them to the point where if one player is not one of their top four players is not having a good game or potentially sits, which we've seen a lot of, they just, even as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, they just, they haven't, they haven't been good without all those guys clicking. And that being Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba, who has had a bad year and Marcus Smart. They are so reliant on those four guys because the rest of the team is just not great right now that I wouldn't trust them. I mean, I, I could they go and make a run in the playoffs because of how good Tatum and Brown are? Sure. Would I be shocked to see them lose in the first round? No. Like that's where I, that's where I land on them right now. So they're 15th in defense, which is kind of a little low for them. They're 10th in offense. Uh, they have a positive point differential. They're ninth in the NBA in net rating. Uh, that, that bodes well for me. I understand what you're saying. They they have a lot more upside than those other teams because in the playoffs, if they're just going to play seven guys, I mean, look, the Raptors won a championship playing seven guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. they, you could do it. Not that they're going to win a championship, but they could certainly win a round or, or even, I mean. Well, I, that's I what I mean. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. But normally, in a normal year, I would be shocked to see the Celtics lose in the first round because I think they're talented enough that they should be a top four or five team, no matter what in the East. And if they, they should play the heat that go seven. I think that that's a seven game series. Um, I it's do possible. think should be favored. They have matchup event. I mean, they ha- they don't have an, an answer for Bam. They don't last year. They didn't have an answer for Dragic, and, and that's just not going to be the case this year. I mean, Dragic is just not that guy. Uh, but Kem, I mean, last year, the, the biggest matchup issue was not even Jason Tatum for them. It was Kemba and Kemba really dictated how the heat, did any of their coverages because they did not have a guard that can survive against Kemba. And any time a screen would come, the guard would fly down and then you have a big and drop and Kemba just each drop. But that has been the case this year. I know he had a big ass shot yesterday against the Warriors, but uh, they have, they have enough. I mean, Brown's been absurd Tatum I and mean, Brown and Tatum never play in the same game anymore. I feel like yeah, <laughs> they alternate. Well, the Tatum um, situation scary too, just because he said that he still, 
that he's he, that he you know that he has to use an inhaler before games because of covid so that that's i wonder if that's affecting guys like butler and and like you know it's very heat and very jimmy to not say anything about that but you know you always I would, wonder i i believe 100 percent that jimmy butler is still impacted from his absence from covid it's and I, tyler and it, looks tyler legit is huffing and puffing in the second quarter and I, we talked I, about that on our post game show today and we're like hmm yeah, I believe any of those guys that got it and got symptoms and had to sit out and Jimmy sat out. Jimmy was one of the longest, I mean, guys that he I got can it remember. bad. He this year bad. in the NBA, we've heard, I mean, and not as much recently, obviously, but earlier in the year when guys were getting it, I feel like Jimmy sat longer than the majority of guys who had it. It was, like, it was bad. And, and it's weird because of the way the league is. They're not saying when guys have it, but it's just implied if they're out that they have, like, Healthy they're not safe. like announcing you know? Um, so we, for a long time, especially on here, we were like, he has it right. He's got to have it. Like we were like, he's, he's got, it. he's not one of the, and then the longer people started coming back, we're like, okay, well, Jimmy's the one, one of the ones who had it. And yes. Um, and I well, talked, talked about, about it. it too. He, yeah. He said mm-hmm. that. And I talked with, uh, you know, like, obviously I do the, the other show with Norris Cole and Norris has talked about like just watching him on the court and like seeing, like there was also the report that came out when he came back that he lost 12 pounds that wasn't and true, by the way. It wasn't. No, it was like that totally, was... totally false. Like he didn't. Totally false. Wow. False. Um, well, either way, I, I, I think what happened there was an agent was uh, trying to uh, say a story that made their client look good, and then uh, that kind of really? got out, it got out of hand. And I think Jimmy himself refuted that. <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, that'll happen. Um, but that's yeah, speculation. By the way, I don't. That, that's just. Yeah, I. Who... I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Listen, my colleagues do great reporting. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, that being said, I do think, yes, it, it, I don't see Jimmy Butler as a per, type of person who's going to publicly speak about it, like you said, about if he's struggling or not. But I definitely think that any of the guys who had it bad, the way we're talking about with Tatum, um, are probably still somewhat feeling the effects of it, especially in a year where there's no rest, there's less rest time than ever. And we are seeing it with the injuries. We're just not hearing about it as much with the COVID stuff, but that actually, now thinking, thinking, just sort of talking through it, obviously everyone's going through it, but the Tatum thing in the playoffs, you know, having to play in a seven-game series, <laughs> if he's still feeling it, that could be a problem for them too. But there's going to be no back-to-backs, and especially in the first round, they usually there's usually sometimes two to three days in between games. Mm-hmm. So I actually think that that benefit, like I know that for me kind of selfishly from a content creation standpoint, we had a, we had a meeting today and we're like, Playoffs are coming. You know, we're going to get two, three days off in between content. You know, we're going to need that. You know, we need the rest as much as the players do. So, like, I do think that that, especially in the first round, I think that'll really benefit them. And that'll probably be their strongest round because they're going to have rest. They're going to be able to get right. And they're going to be able to play at a schedule that is good for them. Yeah. Um, I, I, my, I would say, you know, as basic as it seems, I – like you talk about them playing against the heat last year and it being a, you know, a close series. We're also talking about Eastern conference finals compared to potentially the first round. So it's a, and last year, the heat, as we know, the heat were a five seed, not expected to go to the Eastern conference finals. The Celtics, would they finish Technically last year? Technically a four seed. They threw the last game of the season. Okay. I, okay. I'm here to, I'm here to the propaganda, but I'm not, I'm not saying it as a negative. I'm no, just I saying know. it. I'm, I'm saying it as a, Yes. The Celtics last year were a top three team that people expected to potentially go to the finals this year. That's where I'm like, 
this year the drop-off is so real that I'm, I wouldn't be shocked to see one way or the other. They have a defense, though, that I think – I know that it's like only 15th, but they have the they have the horses to switch and they have the horses to run different kinds of coverages, which I think is kind of the benefit to them. Their offense has been a little bit better than expected considering they don't get anything at the rim and they don't get free throws. But that's a team that – I mean, Atlanta has – I mean, every all these teams are really flawed, right? Miami – Boston, Atlanta, right? They're all in that 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 tier for for that fourth spot. But I think Boston, is going to be the biggest thing, right? Like for all those teams, it almost yeah. seems like ultimately when we get to that point in the playoffs, um, for my, I mean, especially those three teams, Miami, Boston, and Atlanta, that have been just racked by issues all year, seems like almost the potentially the healthiest team wins out if they can figure things out. That might be New York. I mean, listen, New York. I know. And 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 they're missing Mr. Robinson. They're missing so. Mr. Robinson and Nerlens Noel ended up coming back in the game today, but did go to the locker room with an injury. And yeah, they've had. I mean, they haven't had anything near what these other three teams have had. But yeah, um, it'll be an interesting run. The 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 East, you know, obviously not as deep as the West, but the playoff race is fascinating because we're still, we're still, what are we 15 games out of the playoffs and there's only three teams that really have no chance of being in the playoffs right now. Cleveland, Orlando, yeah, Washington, what 10 through 12 all tied. Yeah. It's I kind of hope as I'm a part-time Raptors fan, I do hope the wizards get in to the play. And I just want to watch Beal and Westbrook get a chance. Beal. Uh, yeah. I mean, Beal is it actually their last this run that they've gone on recently has been Russ more than Beal, which is pretty remarkable. Oh, I, he's... Russ has been un- incredible. Um, that's a weird that, that team's so weird too, but obviously that's a whole other discussion. Um, in that Celtics game, the one thing that we talked about before we came on here that we, we I mean, we, you can't talk about that game without talking about Steph Curry, who goes for another 47, uh, ties, Please. yeah, ties Kobe's 30 game streak at 10 10 games with 30 plus points or whatever it was um he's averaging 39 over his last 10 and i'm um he's had a four a 50 point actually and i should note that we i didn't we totally sort of blew past this when we were talking about the celtics tatum over his last uh, over this six game streak is averaging 32 and he also had a 50 point game and then had 44 last night so we sort of mentioned earlier how like it was, it's remarkable. I saw, I literally saw Celtics fans that are like Tatum's the problem a couple weeks ago. And it's just like, dude, everybody needs to, I mean, maybe chill the fuck out a little bit. Um, but with Steph Curry, 39 a game over his last 10. Um, and this is a team that, by the way, they still may not make it. I, pre- I pre- watched this team over the, la- the first few weeks of the season and said they are not going to be a playoff team. And because they're just, it's a, it's brutal. That roster is just absolutely brutal. I'm full. I'm fully on board now. Not that he should be MVP, but that he should be getting more conversation around a potential MVP run because of the uniqueness of this season. If they, if they get, if they can somehow get even up to seven, what he's done this year deserves conversation. They, he's incredible, man. This league has been so fun. I know that the the COVID has made this awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, between Tatum and Jimmy and Steph and all of these guys, like we're getting so many great, this stretch run is going to be as fun as 
I can remember in a season. The plan is a part of that, even though I kind of hate it. Yeah. Um, by the way, kind of noteworthy. Uh, that 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 what was that points per game in Steph's last 39 points in his last 10? Yeah. Uh, they're five and five in those games. Yeah. It's just like he has to put up these Herculean efforts. Yep. Right. And and Tatum in that stretch, the Celtics are seven and eight and two, right? And a one yep. six straight, right? That's I think that that's as long as that's the longest heat winning streak, also six games. So um there there's a lot in this league right now that's really fun and i don't know i'm 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 just happy as a as a fan as somebody who gets to cover the league at all these kind of great things that oh yeah totally and steph the the great thing about steph having this this uh this run here on the second half of the season is that my favorite thing about the nba in the first half of the season was dame like i just couldn't not watch them i just couldn't not watch the pay the blazers any night they're playing because you just had the potential for something amazing. That has not been the case over the last few weeks, but that has been replaced by what Steph's doing. So it's just a remarkable talk. And you're totally, it is one of those things where it's such a catch 22 with the league in general, because of how I mean, more, you know, what I think the most torn ACLs since like 2012 and just COVID and all this, this crazy stuff. But at the same time, yeah, every night, you know, like I, I, I think I, I, I talked about it on here was the, the first night of the NCAA tournament and everyone was freaking out about two teams I've never heard of uh, finish uh, playing a game that the final score was like 50 to 51. And on the, on the same night, Anthony Edwards was the third fastest uh, player ever to score 40 points in a game. And Brad Beal and Donovan Mitchell each scored 40 against each other. And there was like three 35-point games in the same night. And everyone's freaking out about college basketball. I'm like, guys, thank you. This is like this is what look at what is happening right now. You have the best players on the planet playing the best basketball they've played in their careers. And two two teams whose schools maybe have like 3,000 people apiece are playing in a game that matters not because they're not going to be in the championship. And you're not freaking out about Anthony Edwards or whoever else it was that night. It's just crazy to me. Edwards, by the way, was really figured some stuff out, especially he's, the two minute game with, with Towns. He's he's looked really good. I'm I'm really happy for him. And he's also just arguably the best soundbite of the NBA season. Oh, he's great. He's a he's a favorite of this show. We we are big big fans of Anthony Edwards. Um, like the A Rod quote the other day. Um, Matches. Just, just unbelievable. I don't know. Also, if ever... funny because he had he claimed that he was like gonna get drafted by the MLB or that he could have. There was a, we played the video on this show yeah, too, where he great. he said that he played pitcher, shortstop, left field, catcher, right field. Like played every position and that he could have played in the major leagues, but doesn't know who Arod is. Um, there was also him. like a story pre-draft that we never re- we couldn't confirm because we didn't know where that came from. That like. He like when he was either in college or in high school that he got kicked out of a Benihana because he went there for like a party and like brought his own food and asked them to like cook it at the table. <laughs> like he's just such a like a unique character. It's 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 I just hope that like Zion is similar to where you just see like this innocence in them. They're just so young and they haven't been like media trained. They just say what's on their mind. But Anthony Edwards, I just hope that it just doesn't change. That he just he has an effervescence to him that is, yeah. Or like the, I mean, there was the one a couple weeks ago with the Irish guy, where he's like, "Where are you from, Jim?" Oh my and God, the guy, yes. The guy's like from Ireland. He's like, "Man, that 
that accent's tough. I mean, I want to learn how to talk like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. So I'm so I, I listen. We, you know, for all the shit we give the NBA and and they deserve a lot of slack a lot of time. Sometimes they get things right, sometimes they get things wrong. But man, I I I just love being a part of whatever's going on here okay. because it's from the person I love our players and I, I want to protect them and I want them to be healthy. And I hate these kind of truncated seasons because they, these guys are the best. I love yep. them. It's awesome. Yep. Well, this was awesome. Appreciate you jumping on with me. Um, Thanks, we'll have you, obviously we're going to have to have you back as we get closer to the playoffs to preview, whoever the heat end up playing, it's probably going to come down to the very end of the year and we will see uh, Miami heat beat is the podcast. With at G Navas N A V A S. What's the number at the end? On 103. Twitter? 103 on Twitter. Go listen to the pod, guys. It's the best heat pod out, and which is probably not something I should be saying about <laughs> when I have my own heat podcast. We're but all hey, good. We're, we're all good. We're all, we're all, all they're different, different, uh, different products. Theirs is awesome. They do a lot of stuff. There's like 10 different shows every week. They're so they're pumping out so much content. I don't understand it. And we do a five-day-a-week show. It's incredible. But appreciate appreciate you coming on the show tonight, man. Dude, anytime. You're the best. And, and you, we got to get you on too. Absolutely. Anytime. You know I'm here five nights a week, so you know I'm <laughs> you know I'm ready. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Alex will be back. Uh, have a good night. See you guys later. <laughs>